Howdy, hey, fellow League members. We are back with another podcast this week, and it is a two-man pod, and I am joined by my trusty partner in crime, Daniel Weber. Dan, how are you doing today? Arr, what's good, matey? That's all I had right I, there. That was that was that was the pirate. That was the pirate for me. That was I, apparently I'm watching too much Disney mm. Plus late, lately. Or dodgeball, you know, depending, whatever on, depending on if you want to. <laughs> pirate Steve. I immediately thought of like SpongeBob SquarePants or something. Oh, who is gonna win a fantasy football championship? I think Dan will. Oh, I'm glad you muted yourself because we were not going to put people through that. And we yep, can't afford welcome. the copyright of the song. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're welcome. That's, that's what we're here for. Um, you can send all mm-hmm. all complaints for copyrights to Nick Ruth. Um, I don't have his address in front of me, but I can get it for you for any attorneys that want to have that. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dan. Greatly appreciated. Um, all right. So this. Yeah, well, thank you. This week uh, was kind of a busy week in the league. We had two trades, and um, we'll keep our format rolling of recapping each trade. And the first one involved Chris and Nick Ruth. Um, Cold Seal and Sunshine and Captain Mayfield came together on the trade right before before the start of the week, actually, or Sunday games. Um, Chris gave up Travis Kelsey, and Nick Ruth gave up Terry McLaren and Carrie Ann Johnson. What are your thoughts on that one, Dan? Uh, I think this is a fun trade. I really, I think this is just overall a, a great trade. I don't see many issues with it. Travis Kelsey, I believe, is 30 years old, plays for one of the most dynamic offenses in the league, um, but he's 30, and the tight end position can be a roller coaster of experiences. Um, but Terry McLaurin is doing amazing things with not exactly the most stellar of QBs and he's making things happen. I think this is a fun piece to, to go through and, and look at part of this, but um, then you go through and you look at the other piece and, and carry on Johnson. If he can come back healthy and recover from this injury, that's a arguably a top 10, top 15 running back. That's coming into a, an offense that likes to utilize the, the running back position in a couple different ways. I think this trade's very clean all the way around. Yeah, I really like it for everyone, too. I mean, um, surprise, surprise, I'm sure, to people listening. Um, you know, Travis Kelsey, you touched on it. He is getting up there in age, but he's still elite at what he does. Um, I'm slightly worried that he could maybe go down the Gronk path in the sense that he just randomly drops off a cliff in terms of his production. Um, but, you know, for right now, you got to enjoy it. For Nick Ruth, I mean, he gave up two players that aren't, gonna help him win the title and you know he's going for it he's got a chance to lock up a bye this week and Travis Kelsey is gonna probably be a big reason why he does or doesn't end up locking up that this week and I think another interesting piece of this is he watched Eric Ebron go on the IR this week so I mean what a what a Sam like move as I use air quotes on my side to be able to forecast when a player that he has is gonna come into lighter or go out in a in a worse way but this is a huge move for him to continue to solidify this piece. Oh, yeah, this is a massive upgrade for Nick. I mean, he was relying on um, Eric Ebron and Jason Witten, you know, to be his starting tight ends. And Jason Witten was giving him a solid 
you know, 10 points a week. And Eric Ebron was even less than that. I think he was down under like nine points. So this, and Travis Kelsey is putting up about 18 a game. So this is a significant boon to Nick and his team. Um, on the flip side, when we look at Chris's trade, um, yeah, I'm clapping because this, yep. he finally, yep. I think, did a great rebuilding trade. Um, you know, the, I keep going back to it, but the, tra- or the Lamar Jackson is looking dicey right now. We'll see how it ages. And I think the second one with Gurley, Coleman, Cam Newton, it's a clusterfuck, and we'll see who comes out on top of that whirling dervish of a trade. But this trade, I mean, this you get Terry McLaren, who's been fantastic for a rookie wide receiver. Um, yes, he plays for a shit team with a questionable quarterback right now, but what we've seen potential-wise for him is something that you don't see from many wide receivers, so that's got to get you very excited. And, you know, Dan, you touched on it with Karrion Johnson. He's got all the potential in the world to be a top 15 or top 10 running back. Um, and the Lions want to use him as that. They treat him like as kind of the workhorse when he was healthy. But that's kind of the issue or caveat with him, you know, when healthy. Um, is he going to go down the Delvin Cook path and that this is was a total fluke and he's going to bounce back and light the world on fire? Or is he going to fizzle out and be one of those, you know, David Wilson or whatever type running backs that job at best, whatever you want to say, that just keeps oh, getting injured and doesn't work out. Well, you know, Javid Best had to go to the Lions for a reference, right? Um, but that's the question with Kerryon Johnson. You know, can he stay healthy? Can he actually make it through an NFL season and be productive? Um, for Nick, I understand maybe wanting to cash in on this guy. And for Chris, I mean, that's kind of the guy you want to roll the dice on. So all in all, I think this is a really solid trade. I mean, Nick's going for it, and he should get a few more years, hopefully, of elite production. And for Chris, you know, you, you get two young guys that I think could be with your core, um, you know, maybe two years down the line when you're ready to contend. All in all, I really like it for both teams. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it's a good trade. Oh, you muted yourself, I think, Dan. Oh, sorry, I must be on a smaller delay with that. But no, I said I think I like it, and it's it's fun. Yeah, I yeah, this is it makes Ruth that much more competitive in this playoff push. Hundred percent, his team goes from spooky to scary trust me there's a difference all right um there was another trade and it was a little bit more on the minor side um but it involved jerry and stefan three blind mice and flash gordon got down and dirty with another deal uh three blind mice gave up a 2021 third round draft pick and flash gordon gave up randall cobb dan how are you feeling it's, about this one? Randall Cobb's 29, um, but yep. he plays for the best – right now the best passing offense in the league. Every game Randall Cobb's played, he's had at least two catches. Um, the lowest receiving yard game he had was 23 yards back in week three. But with Amari Cooper having a little bit of injury or being targeted with defenders – um, Randall Cobb against the Vikings, six receptions, 106 yards, and a touchdown. Against the Lions, four receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Against the Patriots, four catches for 86 yards. The volume piece is there for this guy running out of the slot. And I think this is, if 
depending what happens with Amari Cooper, if he comes back to Dallas, I think this actually helps the Randall Cobb situation. Um, I think he's doing what Cole Beasley did in that offense, and he's doing it potentially maybe uh, a little bit better. I don't I don't think that's fully the case, but, I, I, I don't, again, I don't mind this trade. I think this trade has value to it on both sides. Yeah, um, I like it for Stefan. I mean, Randall Cobb really, even though he does have wide receiver issues, was someone that he probably was never going to rely on. Um, so getting a draft pick for him, you know, hey, I don't really see any issues with that. From Jerry's perspective, I'm not as optimistic about Randall Cobb long term. Um, the Packers, you know, moved on from him and they've had a lot of wide receiver worries. I feel like this is kind of just a trend that Jerry's had with some of his trade trades of late in the sense that he's kind of chasing points. Um, you know, Mohamed Sanu, you know, Zach Pascal, you know, he traded for Marquez Valdez-Scantling and then he also moved him. But I think some of the guys he's targeting, I'm just not sure that they have the staying power. And I feel like they're more maybe trending in the wrong direction. Sure, they are capable of producing and getting it done, but I'm just not sure they're the pieces that you want to have on your team on a regular basis or rely on them. You know, go ahead. I, I, yeah, I, I completely understand this. And it's where do you, where do you find the value in the offense? You know, you look at a guy like Sammy Watkins, who I think has a traumatic bump just because he plays in Kansas City. Yep, um, for sure. Just because of those different pieces and the pieces around him, the Ezekiel Elliott and all the other places give some value to these guys. Um, but uh, the third carries a lot of weight with being able to see young talent this way and obviously trading a third for a 29-year-old um, wide receiver with some sort of injury history is uh, is a little bit interesting. But, you know, Jerry plays with a lot of – low floor, high upside guys. And it's great if you hit the upside, but it's really, really bad if you don't. Yeah, and I mean, we can kind of pivot into the next talking point, but I mean, that I think, it was kind of, unfortunately, ultimately, Jerry's downside or downfall this year. Uh, he finished on a three-game losing streak, and unfortunately, um, his players stopped booning and kind of started, you know, trending in the wrong direction for him. Uh, let's see, the last three weeks he scored. Week 12, he scored, excuse me, 75 points. Uh, week 11, scored 99 points. And week 10, scored um, 105 points. I mean, three-game average of about 90 points a game. Um, that's not ideal. That's not going to get it done. And, you know, to your point, Dan, with those low floor but high ceiling players, um, if they all shit the bed, it's going to look pretty ugly. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, but, you know, you've got, it, Jerry's been plagued by a couple different roster decisions. Um, oh, for a, sure. He had a real rough, you know, this, this last week at quarterback where, you know, picked the wrong two guys out of the four guys that he has the option to start. It, 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 it's fantasy football, and that's what it's always going to be. But, I mean, if he doesn't have a Marlon Mack injury, does does this week look any little bit of a difference to this? Um, it's, again, low floor, high upside. But I think yep. looking at Jerry's roster as we transition to, you know, what does Jerry have going for him and how could this potentially 
go for building in the future. I'll start with the running back position. Aaron Jones, Marlock Mack, and Ezekiel Elliott look absolutely freaking amazing. Um, it's hard to argue against those three guys that are that are doing it. Marlon Mack is, oh man, how old is Marlon Mack? Twenty three years old. That's kind of a win in life. Mm-hmm. Um, quarterback wise, Derek Carr came around and really did some good things. Ben Roethlisberger is going to be bouncing back next year, and I'm very curious as to what's going to happen with Kyle Allen. So Jerry could find himself with three starting quarterbacks potentially at the beginning of next year. Um, mm-hmm. The wide receivers and have a have again. It's the I think this is this part that Jerry can continue to focus on. DK Metcalf's obviously been relatively studly as it as we go through. Um, AJ Brown for Tennessee's flourished um, with Ryan Tannehill, but outside okay. of that, it's a lot of eh. Which way do I really want to go? How do I play the matchups and which guy is going to show up? Uh, Irv Smith really has been kind of the the unsung hero on the tight end the tight ends piece to it and it's he lives and dies on Kirk Cousins which who sits on my roster which is always fun but Jerry's got a lot of fun pieces around to build around um, I, I I think Jerry's got a, a decent future ahead of him it's just going to be how he begins to develop and build and he's put a lot of stock in it looks like to be 2021 yeah I think. Well, for starters, just a reminder, um, for the trade deadline, it is Thanksgiving Day. So a little less than 48 hours. Well, depending on when you listen to this podcast, it'll probably be like 36 hours. Um, But that's around the corner. Um, For Jerry, though, I'm with you. I think 2021 has to be the target for him. Um, You know, playoffs kind of looked like an option this year. So I understand, you know, trying to go for it. But I think now... um, I think now's the time to kind of reassess the situation and you got to be honest to yourself on where you're standing. Um, unless his wide receivers, you know, several of them, not just one, take a step and can be more consistent. I'm not sure that the pieces are here to compete next year in 2020. Um, the running backs, you know, you mentioned in are great. Um, I'm slightly worried that maybe Ezekiel Elliott is not quite in that super duper elite tier anymore. And while that won't kill Jerry, but that's just something to monitor long-term. Um, but yeah, the, the wide receivers just need to get a little consistent. If that's DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, that's wonderful. If that's maybe DD Westbrook or, you know, I don't even know, maybe Hunter Renfro, like just something yeah, like, like that. Like someone yep. taking a leap and being a consistent wide receiver too. He needs to have that happen with, multiple wide receivers to start seeing the results of you know to having a chance to contend um and then the quarterbacks you know big ben that was for my money jerry's best move of the year um getting him i think at least buys him time he big ben obviously isn't a long-term piece in terms of someone that he can rely on for the next five years but i think he could buy him some time until you know, two or three years down the line, down the road, when he can maybe draft or trade for a quarterback that can be part of his team long-term. So let me ask you a question here, because I think this is uh-huh. fun. So Dallas has um, both Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper unsigned for the future. Yep. Which one of those pieces, if you could only sign one of the two, plays into Ezekiel Elliott's favor? Oh. Um, I mean, it's got to be the quarterback. It's got to be Dak Prescott. Um, just because quarterback position is so hard to define and fill. Um, I think they all work together in helping each other. Um, and I can't imagine Jerry Jones is going to let 
either one of those guys walk. But yeah, you got to take the quarterback, right? Yeah, I, I I would agree with you. I like I think Dak makes that offense and it forces people outside of the box that that can be played against Ezekiel Elliott. So yes, I agree. I think Dak is the 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 answer there. So you know, before we move on from Jerry, I mean, what do you think if you had to like pick maybe one thing or a series of moves or what should be his kind of focal point in this off season? in terms of, I don't want to say turning the team around, but maybe pointing in the direction or going down a path. Like, what does he maybe need to do or try to address this offseason? I think it's it's the wide receiver position. I think moving some of this potential mediocre talent um, for a higher-end receiver, for a consistent wide receiver, too. Jerry's got a lot of upside wide receiver, twos, but nothing on the consistent piece to it. I think Hunter Renfro is going to continue to have an outstanding career. Um, I think Keyshawn Johnson, if Arizona understands what he can bring to the team, is going to be great. But when you look at your ability to move like a D.D. Westbrook, a Traquan Smith, a Zach Pascal, a Zay Jones, um, a Geronimo Allison – and if you can package some of these together, maybe with a, a different piece or a pick and get yourself a more consistent wide receiver, I think that's probably the the focal point of what he might be looking to do. Yeah, I mean, that that would be nice, but I, I don't know if you can maybe turn some of those guys into an elite wide receiver without moving some serious draft picks. And as it stands right now, I mean, He's only got a third rounder in 2020, and then in 2021, he's got two first-round picks, which that should be a nice you know, situation to be in. And then he also has a second-round pick. So maybe you could package one of those wide receivers and a draft pick and get a guy, but then you might find yourself in the same situation you are now in the sense that you just you mortgaged, excuse me, you mortgaged your future for a player that maybe doesn't help your team long-term or it didn't work out. Like you kind of found yourself in with Derek Carr. So it's tough. I think, you know, Jerry's got to be, I don't know the best way to put it, patient, I think. And, you know, if he can sell off some of these guys, like, you know, D.D. Westbrook, Randall Cobb, I don't know, Zay Jones, you know, and maybe build towards the future with maybe more draft picks or, you know, yeah, I think he's I, just got to... I think Jerry has a lot of options. I think options is yeah. the key word here. It's it's which way can this be done. And that's uh, it's something that fantasy owners like, but it's also the biggest thing that you probably don't like is because it's how do I want to do it and which way is going to be the way that I want to go. Yep, I think you're, MS, or you're a little bit lagging because you got muted. Um Sorry. Did or I'm not. No, I, it's all good. Okay. I think you're. It's a little bit off off this week for some reason, but it's okay. We can persevere any sort of yeah, technical this, difficulties. This is not a sponsored stream. No, absolutely not. Mediocreness cannot be sponsored. Um, but no, I mean, I think Jerry Jerry does have a lot of options. I think the only thing that if I was in his shoes is, you know. You don't, the expectation shouldn't be for playoffs next year. The expectation should be to fine tune your team, build up maybe some younger depth, and 
if you can sell off some of the older pieces, I would look to doing that. Um, maybe that's for player, maybe that's for draft picks, I don't know. But I think you got to take what the market's giving you and understand that maybe 2020 might not be the most exciting year for you. But if you take that small step back, maybe you take two steps forward in 2021 when you have two first round picks and, you know, then maybe you can take that huge leap forward then. Um, so obviously Jerry is, we'll get to the exact details on where he stands coming into week 13, but pretty much eliminated from the playoff or from the playoffs. Um, another team was also eliminated and that was Adam or franchise 12. Um, Adam, I think shocked a lot of teams this year. He was a little bit smoke and mirrors in terms of how he got it done from his production standpoint. Um, it all started with Austin Eckler kind of, I think, lighting the world on fire and being, you know, a fringe top five running back for a lot of the season. Um, unfortunately, that tapered off. And then when you threw in disappointing performances from Tom Brady and then Patrick Mahomes getting injured, the wheels kind of just fell off on Adam's season. But there's, I think, a lot of pieces on this roster to be optimistic about. And... Um, I think I definitely undervalued things or Adam maybe made some moves to put his team in position to maybe succeed long-term. Um, how are you kind of feeling about this team, Dan, and sort of where Adam's at now and, you know, how it looks for the future? Yeah, I, I think you can start right with the quarterback position. You're building around this guy named Patrick Mahomes, which is a pretty cool concept uh, if you're a fantasy owner here. But it, after that, it's where does the where does it turn to? Where's Tom Brady going to play football next? Um, you know, he's selling his house in New England. He doesn't have a contract after this year. Where's that going to end up? Because outside of that, there's not really an additional quarterback on this roster. Um, running back wise, Carson is if he can hold onto the ball is a positive thing. Kenyon Drake is the guy that I'm very curious about. Is mm-hmm. he's really proven himself in this Arizona offense that he can handle this workload, and he's basically put David Johnson out of a job. Oh, yeah. which, which is an interesting way to look at it. Austin Eckler, uh, again, with the Melvin Gordon situation, um, could potentially find himself into a starting running back role. So you've got to kind of like where that plays itself out. I think Juju Smith-Schuster took a oh, massive – One yep. sec. Before we move on from running backs, yep. Kareem Hunt. Oh, yeah, you, I missed you him. You talk about – I mean, first of all, Kareem Hunt, there's a good chance he could be back in Cleveland next year. He, The Cleveland Browns will have a chance to tender him – for a draft pick um, because of the contract status. So he could stay in Cleveland, but he's kind of fought or carved out a role in this offense. Um, it might not be a super duper elite running back, you know, role for fantasy, but it's viable. And if he does, for whatever reason, go to a new team, he might be back in the top five or seven running back spot before we know it. Um, yeah. You, you got to feel good with what you've seen from Kareem Hunt. So let me ask you a far. question here. If Kareem uh-huh. Hunt ends up on the Miami Dolphins, does your position change at all? No. I I think, I mean, maybe not top five or seven because there's, you can't just insert into the Miami Dolphins right now. You'd have to insert him into the Miami Dolphins after they, you know, draft Joe Burrow and then also sign two offensive linemen like, their entire team's going to be so different that I can't wholeheartedly commit to him being at a certain rank. But 
wherever he goes that he's the starter, if the team is committed to running the ball, um, he's going to be very good. Um, the worst case scenario is that he stays in Cleveland and his ceiling is capped. But if he goes anywhere else, you, I feel like you have to feel good about the situation. Don't you? Yep. yep. I agree. I think, I think Kareem Hunt is that much of an upside that even in the, that Miami offense, that there's still additional traditional value that you get for a guy that can catch a ball out of the backfield and run between the tackles. Um, so anything else as far as the running back position goes? No, I, I think that was it. I mean, um, no, I mean, there's really nothing else to say. I think he's got a great stable of running backs. Um, he doesn't have the elite running back outside of Chris Carson right now, but with guys like Kareem Hunt and even Kenyon Drake or and even Austin Eckler, like he's got guys that really quickly could become super duper elite. So the running back position, I think is a great spot that he's in right now. So going on to wide receivers here, um, Juju Smith-Schuster took a took a big hit with no big bad. Emmanuel Sanders has really had a connection with Jimmy G, and I think that becomes a fun one. The one I'm kind of concerned about overall is Corey Davis. And I know it's like, mm-hmm. wait, who is this guy? But it, it's a guy that everybody had such high hopes that he was going to do something, and he didn't. So it's where where is this future end up with him but Deontay Johnson also um, has a very positive upside that I think you can be really excited about from a young guy but they just need to make sure that they get that quarterback back which they will uh, coming into 2020 and then Noah Fant yep go ahead for the wide receivers um, Juju Smith-Schuster I think had a lot of buzz going into this year he was kind of the trendy pick to be elite breakout and for various reasons, you know, that didn't work out. Do you think he rebounds next year? Are you concerned that maybe he was crowned a little bit too early? Where do you stand with Juju long-term? I think with Big Ben, he has additional value. Yes, he's going to continue sure. to demand coverage this way. Um, do I think he's everything he was hyped up to be? No. Is he a top 20 total wide receiver? Absolutely. Top 10? I'll give you top 15 and we'll compromise. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and then there's one other thing I wanted to say. Do, 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 do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got nothing. All right, cool. Because I want to talk about Noah Fant. <laughs> and I want to talk okay. about how he's really kind of revolutionized a little bit of this Denver offense, which has been – fucking atrocious because they can't figure out whether they want to run Philip Lindsay or um, Royce Freeman. And trust me, I know all about this because I have both that backfield and it's fucking atrocious. Um, but I like Noah Fant. I think Noah Fant is going to have a hell of a career. He's a great, he's a great run blocker, but he really gives you that, that piece out of the, the backfield. If he can improve his catching a little bit um, and get off the line and really be able to run his route, he is a very dynamic player. And I think that's the highlight of that tight end position. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, he's just an, a spectacular athlete um, that routinely can kind of just get things done for this team. And when the ball gets in his hands, even though it could be difficult getting it in his hands, good things usually happen. Um, yeah, I, no offense. I, I'm still a little skeptical that he'll put it all together, but I think you have to be optimistic with what you've seen this year with that shit show that is the Denver Broncos quarterbacks. Um, I 
you know, going back to an earlier trade, I wonder if Adam is maybe kicking himself that he acquired OJ Howard. Um, cause that he is just, OJ Howard is just self-imploded and I don't know if Bruce Arians has broken him or if he's just this bad, but my goodness, he has fallen off a cliff and then some. Yeah, I don't have much to talk about seeing as I traded him. <laughs> but I mean, do you, I, so we see with <laughs> a lot of young guys yeah. that sometimes they, they have a good year and then we just assume they're going to produce and continue to get better. And that doesn't always happen. Now, that doesn't mean that their career is over. Sometimes they get crowned a little bit too early or expectations get too high. And, you know, it's a one step forward, two steps back type process. Do you think O.J. Howard can still turn it around and still be that top five or seven tight end that everyone thought he was, you know, three months ago? Or do you think that, no, it's not happening at this point? It's you can't teach physical size. Yep. And OJ Howard, along with David and Joku, I think are the two guys that you look at that say, "Yep, this is a tight fucking end." Not not, not like that, but <laughs> you know, just one of those guys that you can look at and say, "Yep, this guy plays the position. He's got the build for the position. He yep. should be able to do this damn job at this position." And then he proves you a little bit wrong, unless he's catching a baseball at, at Ray Stadium. Um, but yes, I think this kid has all the dynamics of it. Is he necessarily in the right offense? Possibly not. If he can play with a more precision passer than Jameis Winston, I think it makes him a lot better. I I mean, I'll give you that, but as someone that owns Jameis Winston in another league and, you know, just also likes this Bucks offense because Chris Godwin's ridiculous and Mike Evans is fun. I think, you know, Jameis Winston isn't entirely to blame here because O.J. Howard has shot himself in the foot a lot of times. I think he can figure it out, but I think he really needs to be on a new team. And I really hope for his sake that Bruce Arians and co. consider trading him to a new home this offseason because I don't think anything good will happen in, you know, year two of this marriage of O.J. Howard and Bruce Arians being together. I just don't think it's going to work out. So I'm going to ask you one question here around this team. So if you're yeah. Adam right now and uh-huh. you and you have an option here, rate from the one that you would most want to trade to the one you would least want to trade between these three people. Mm-hmm. Kenyon Drake, Duke Johnson, or um, Emmanuel Sanders? Hmm. I mean... So, okay, I'll start with the one I don't want to trade, Kenyon Drake. I think he's shown that he is a NFL-caliber starting running back. He, Miami, for whatever reason, didn't utilize him. I don't know. There are rumors, or not even rumors, conspiracy theories that they didn't want to use him because they wanted to sign him to a cheap contract extension. And then when they finally get NFL players, I use air quotation marks, legit NFL players on that offense he could be featured more and be a better player and oh you know surprise surprise justify the low ball contract that they gave him when rumors came that he didn't agree to their contract extension that's when they decided to sell him off to the Cardinals and surprise surprise when he's playing with an actual offense he's actually producing so Kenyon Drake I think 
yeah, keep him. It, hopefully, you pray he stays with the Cardinals. But if he goes to a different team, I think as long as he has a chance to be featured, he can be great. Emmanuel Sanders and Duke Johnson, that's kind of a, a very tough call. Um, Duke Johnson, I think everyone... Duke Johnson's the, the um, classic example of a player that everyone thinks should be better than he actually has shown to be. For whatever reason, you know, we've seen in Cleveland for the past few years and now here in Houston, we thought he was going to be more viable and he just isn't. For whatever reason, the coaches aren't using him. And I don't know if that falls on Duke Johnson or if that falls on coaches mismanaging him. Um, I would just assume, though, it falls more on Duke Johnson. So I really want nothing to do with him. On the flip side, Emmanuel Sanders is getting up there in age. I know he came back from the torn Achilles and he's done well. But, you know, now he's, he's again, he's getting up in their age. So I'd want to move him too. So I guess I kind of have Emmanuel Sanders and Duke Johnson tied in terms of who I would want to move. Um, but for different reasons. Emmanuel Sanders purely because of age and Duke Johnson because I just think his value is associated more to his name than anything else at this point. Rock on. Thanks, man. I appreciate you answering the question. <laughs> no problem. So... As we look more into the offseason, Adam has two picks in this upcoming draft. He has a second-round draft pick from Zane and a fourth-round draft pick from Kevin. So, you know, that will definitely help him, you know, gives him some ammo to either get a nice player in the draft or potentially use in a trade. Um, when you look at Adam's team, is there a specific position or, you know, spot that you think he needs to address if he wants to, you know, hopefully turn the corner and make the playoffs next year? I think it's quarterback. Um, I think that's the that's the one piece that, that he, if he can get another piece to play alongside Patrick Mahomes, understanding mm-hmm. that, yeah, you still have Tom Brady, but Tom Brady is, what, going to be 43 this year? Yep. Um, I think that's the, the one thing you've got to kind of look at. Mason Rudolph just got benched. Um, Devlin Duck Hodges could be very interesting to part of this. He's not afraid to throw it downfield. No, he's okay. not. And, and heaven forbid that he has a receiver there who can catch the ball. Because he, yeah. fun fact, he does sometimes. Um, I think quarterbacks to where you got to start really putting the pressure on. So here's my question for you. I'm going to give you four running backs. Which one would you move for a quarterback if you were Adam, or in, you know, in a package deal for a quarterback? Chris Carson, Kareem Hunt, Kenyon Drake, or Austin Eckler. Who are you most comfortable moving to get, like, I don't know, a middling running back? Or, excuse me, a middling quarterback. I think you can move Kareem Hunt. Okay, actually, new question. Yep. Which one's off the table? Which one's like, off nope. the table? Yeah, you need to keep him. He's your guy. This needs to be a focal point on this team for Adam. Austin Eckler. You keep Austin okay. Eckler. I don't see... With everything that happened with the Chargers this offseason, I don't see Melvin Gordon coming back to play in in L.A. Um, I think Austin Eckler's arguably earned the keys of the bus and will be given a chance to drive it going into 2020. Now, the only thing that is interesting for the Chargers is Melvin Gordon's a free agent, but so is Austin Eckler. I think there's rumors that they want to bring Austin Eckler back, and they might be able to do him on the cheap, but, you know, running backs usually follow the money so it'll be interesting to see if maybe that isn't the case and he you know potentially goes somewhere else um for me i think 
you know, it, it's rolling the dice, but I think it's probably Kareem Hunt. I think we've seen what Kareem Hunt can be, and that is a top five, you know, startup running back in Dynasty. Um, it, the biggest thing to stress is patience, though. I think there's a fairly high chance that Cleveland is going to um, give him like a transition tag or something, you know, like at a second or third round value. And I don't think NFL teams are going to be chomping at the bit to sign a running back to a expensive contract and then have to pay that draft pick. So I think, unfortunately, he'll probably be back in Cleveland. But I think maybe in 2021, he could, you know, take a take the step forward back to that elite, you know, level. Yeah, I think he's got options to choose where he thinks and where he can hedge his bets on from that receiver for that running back core to see what he can acquire going forward. Absolutely. And he's got, you know, four very good running backs. Um, a few of them, well, all of them except for Chris Carson are going to be free agents this year. So it'll be interesting to see how that running back carousel, you know, shakes out and maybe who's in a great position or who's not, you know, come mid-March of 2020. All right, so that's, you know, it for looking at teams. And now we're going to get back to week 13, and that will be the last regular season week before um, the start of the playoffs. And again, I'm going to say it once more, the trade deadline is this Thursday, Thanksgiving, before the start of the Bears and Lions game. That's like 11.30 a.m. 11.30 Central, 12.30 Eastern. For those of you guys yep. that live in the warm fucking state of Florida. Mm-hmm. And all trades need to be completed by then. There's no, oh, shit, Kevin is hungover and not accepting my trade, but we agreed to it. Can you just push it through? No, it's not happening. All trades need to be finalized by 1130 a.m. Central Time. You need to complete them by then. No ifs, and or buts about it. So, yes, it'll be family time, I'm sure, for a lot of everyone in this podcast. And I hope you all have a fun and great time. But if you're going to work a trade or trying to get one done, get it done before 11.30 a.m. All right. Um, so now week 13. Um, let's talk about, I guess, what's kind of at stake for some of the teams um, before we jump into the matchups. And I made a list of just kind of a few of the things. Um, so first we'll talk about, I guess, the non-playoff teams and what's at stake for them. Because for them, at this point, it's about draft order and where their draft pick is going to be or maybe who owns their draft pick and where that's going to be. Um, so the easy ones, are really a, a lot of this stuff is taken care of. Sam is locked in with the first overall pick. Um, yeah, they're for all the, when I say locked in, like I use quotation marks because yes, there's a scenario where someone could score a lot of points or not score a lot of points, but for all you know intensive purposes, it's not going to happen. Sam's locked in the first pick. Armand's locked in the second pick. Zane, via Adam right now, is locked into the fifth pick. And Sam, via Steve, is locked into the sixth pick. The only juicy thing for this last week right now is for the third and fourth pick. And the third and fourth pick involve Chris and Zane, via Jerry. And right now, those two teams are separated by 15 potential points. And that is incredibly close. Chris right now has the third pick. But again, 15 potential points. That is a very small amount. So... You know, the difference between the third and fourth pick could be the difference between getting the top quarterback or getting, you know, a tier one player or not. So for Chris and, and Zane, this, uh, you know, that could really determine 
a big player or not in who you get. So something to watch out for for those teams. And for Chris, you know, maybe that means you try to move a player to secure that pick um, and, you know, get rid of some maybe upside before the trade deadline. I don't know. Any thoughts on any of that stuff, Dan, before we move on to the playoff teams? No, I think that's uh, that's a, that's a good piece to those. I mean, obviously you see a lot of the same names kind of down in that lower half, and uh, <laughs> it it's going to be interesting to see what those guys do looking forward into 2020. Oh, yeah. Um, but now, I mean, now it's playoff time, and sorry for half the league, but you're about to be irrelevant for the next four weeks. Um, for the teams in Week 13 that are currently scheduled to be in the playoffs or pretty much scheduled to be in the playoffs, there are some things that are at stake. Um, the biggest thing of them all would be in the Avengers division. And, well, I play Nick Ruth. Nick Weir and Nick Ruth play each other, and the winner of that game will secure a bye in the Avengers division. That is, you know, huge. One less game to play in the playoffs is always nice. So I'm sure I speak for Nick when I say, hell yeah, I want the bye. We'll see what happens in that game. Um, for the justice league division dan right now is currently the top seed and the easiest way for dan to secure the or the justice league division is score one point finish in the top six and this is all taken care of um but another way that dan can clinch you know the um first or the first seed would be if steven doesn't outscore dan by three victory points this week again yes tiebreakers could be a thing but it's not going to be a thing because of the point gaps that Dan has on Stefan and Kevin. It's not going to happen this week. Um, for Stefan, the only, or Stefan's really the only team besides Dan that could get a bye this week. And the only way Stefan could realistically get a bye this week would be if he scores three victory points. So wins his matchup against Kevin and gets in the top six. And then Dan scores zero victory points. Dan does not win, or excuse me, Dan doesn't win his matchup versus Kevin, and Dan doesn't score in the top six. Could happen, maybe, but that's really the only scenario. Um, and for Kevin, again, he really is not going to probably get a bye. The only way Dan can, or Kevin can get a bye for perspective would be if Dan scores zero victory points this week, Kevin scores three, and then Kevin makes up 122 points on Dan this week. Dan, how confident are you feeling about Kevin making that up? Uh, that's not going to happen. That's I have this gentleman named Christian McCaffrey on my team, and I think he could potentially help me seal off the fact that Kevin could make that up in in that different piece uh, with it. Um, I think the interesting piece comes down to can can I if I miss the top six, that's Stefan's opportunity to capitalize. Um, yep. And I like some of the matchups as my team has here, as we'll get into a little bit later. Um, I feel relatively confident going into that. And that obviously is where I'm probably just going to go jump off my fourth floor balcony by saying things like that um, in the fantasy world. But I, I, you ha I have to feel good from where I'm sitting. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you got a 122 point lead on Kevin and you have a 250 point lead on Stefan. Um, so you have the tiebreaker over both of them. Um, that's why Kevin has virtually no shot at making things up. And Stefan needs... A miracle upon miracles because you've scored a point every week i think this year whether yep. it's two points or yep. um, just in the top six yep i so, just hit my third highest score of the week this week too which i think is one more than 
Kevin at number two with that. I, I'm, there's got to be another team, I believe, that's at two. I think um, I have two. Yeah, I think you have two as have, well. I might have three, actually. Let's oh, see. really? Oh, that would be a fun fact. Oh, I actually have four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you can die in a fire then. Yep, it's good to meet me. Um, so, and then there is actually one more thing to watch this week. Jerry has the tiniest of tiniest chances of making the playoffs. The only way for Jerry to make the playoffs, because again, Zane has a significant points advantage lead, would mean that Jerry needs to score three victory points this week, and Zane needs to score zero points. Um, compounded by the fact is that Zane is playing Sean this week. Um, oh, he's playing Armin. Uh, excuse me, Armin. God damn it. I even wrote Armin down, but Sean Old habits die hard. They do, and Sean is clearly near and dear to my heart. Um, so yeah, Jerry does have a chance, but it's not likely. Um, I guess, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about the matchups, but I don't think that's a a likely outcome for Jerry, unfortunately. So let's use that clear segue to start up with matchup previews. And why don't we just start off with the the Zane and Armin matchup, because that's going to be the one that has really the biggest stake in terms of Jerry making the playoffs or not. Um, how are you feeling about that that matchup? Um, Armin upset Nick this week, um, but that was maybe more due to Nick shitting the bed. Um, can Armin do it again? I think this becomes how interesting you feel about Lamar Jackson and that San Francisco defense. I think that... Mm-hmm. That's a very, very interesting piece, and we just watched what San Francisco did to Green Bay, understanding that, yeah, they had an offensive lineman go down, but that could be a very, very, very interesting piece to this. And Ryan Tannehill's look relatively decent, understanding Indianapolis has a relatively decent defense, but you've got to be kind of reeling if you're a Cooper Cup or any Rams owner with how rough the Rams' offense have been. There's a random John Cena moment for you, <laughs> just in case you were wondering. Um, I, You've got to feel good if you're Zane going into this matchup. I like Zane. Yeah, I mean, I like Zane too, but one thing I just wanted to touch base on was your Brian Tannehill comment. Not only has he been relatively decent, he's been relatively awesome. The last five weeks since he became the full-time starter, he's averaging 22.5 points a game. Um, that's pretty damn good. Um, I don't know if this is something that you can expect long-term, but Ryan Tannehill has been, I mean, money for five weeks. He's really revitalized this Tennessee Titans offense. And yeah, I mean, if, if Armand's going to get this done this week, you know, Tannehill needs to keep this, keep this riding. Um, I just, I don't see any way that it could happen or I don't think it's likely it can definitely happen because we've seen crazy shit happen. You know, Sam somehow has two wins on the year. Um, so things can happen. But, excuse me, Sam has three wins on the year. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going Zane as well. I mean, it's it's Armin plays tough games against contending teams. It's, he's kind of been the spoiler a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's, he's most definitely been the spoiler. And, That's basically you know, just this would be the... dig at Nick Ruth because he's not a part of the podcast and can't defend himself, so I think it's funnier. <laughs> that very much so. Um, well, then let's keep it rolling with you know Jerry's matchup. Jerry's obviously going up against Sam, 
And again, you know, this should be a gimme, but Sam has Chris Godwin and he's capable of going for apparently 40 points. Um, and Jerry's team can disappoint from time to time. Um, do you think Sam has any chance this week? Any given Sunday has an opportunity for, for what's going on. Brian Hill though has looked atrocious. Jeff Wilson has been limited in part of his roles this way. I think the only, there's two people you can feel really happy about if you're Sam Godwin and Kirk this way. And I can find at least three people on Jerry's roster that I think have very nice matchups in Aaron Jones in DK Metcalf. And I, the other one is Kyle Allen against Washington. Um, I think those are three relatively well-rounded things, and for that reason, I'll take Jerry in this matchup. Yep, I'll go Jerry as well. Um, I Again, I, like you said, any given Sunday, but I don't think short of Jerry shitting the bat and watching the shit go down his leg, he's not losing this week. All right, um, the next matchup, and this one really doesn't have anything at stake. Um, that would be Steve versus Chris, um, Sauce versus Cold Steel and Sunshine. Yeah, um, Matt Ryan uh, <laughs> has New Orleans. I think that's an interesting one. Lev Bell plays Cincinnati. Sign me up for a lot of that. Uh, Julio Jones, he should be good to go. Uh, he also has this guy named Michael Thomas. I really like everything that Steve has to offer with with part of this. Um, I'm not sold on the MVS start on, on Chris's roster. Um, Will Fuller. I think he's playing in New England, but if you have the ability to take part of the top off the defense there, um, I'm going to take Steve. Yep, I'm with Steve as well. It's Steve has a great team. Um, it didn't go his way in the regular season and making the playoffs, but he's just got a great squad that next year he can definitely be right back in the thick of it, and I think this week against Chris he's going to take care of it. Um only thing to really watch this week is how many potential points Chris gets and will he be the third pick in the rookie draft or the fourth all right now we're at kind of the the matchups that have impact and let's start with Stefan versus Adam um again Stefan needs to get a win here if he wants any chance at the first or excuse me the first overall seed in the Justice League division how are you feeling about this matchup I think there's a lot of interesting pieces on both sides. Noah Fant against the Chargers, I think, is is really fun. Um, Tom Brady against Houston has opportunities. Devlin Hodges is going to – he plays Cleveland in that one. Has had moments Mm -hmm. of shine and moments of torch. I think that Flash Gordon has a couple better matchups with – Jacoby Brissett against Tennessee, Nick Chubb against Pittsburgh, Leonard Fournette against Tampa Bay – um, heaven forbid I say it, Devontae Parker against <laughs> Philadelphia, uh, and then Ertz, obviously, against Miami. I think there's just too many positive matchups. Mike, I'll let you give your thing, and then I'm going to ask you a question about this once you give me your analysis. Yeah, so, I mean, I think Flash Gordon has one of the most balanced teams in this league. Um, great running backs. Wide receivers have been a little bit inconsistent, but on paper, they they look solid. And Zach Ertz, you know, there was, I know a lot of Dallas Goddard loved to start the year and a lot of people not believing on Zach Ertz, but sure enough, he's just kind of 
ho-hummed his way back to tight end one status and has really been uh, a consistent guy, I think, for um, Stefan's team. And I think at the end of the day, Stefan just has a better overall roster and talent that he should be able to get things done this week against Adam. Um, short of Devlin Hodges lighting the world on fire, I just I don't see it for Adam's team this week. Yeah, so I took Stefan too just so I can say it and mark it down here. But if you're Stefan, uh-huh. Jared Goff and Phillip Rivers, do you feel confident about starting either of those guys over some of the other options that he has? <sighs> it's tough. And I know we've talked about this on the podcast before is how do you evaluate quarterbacks versus other positional players? I mean, I guess for starters, let's look at who – um, Stefan's benching and I think I guess the most prominent option would be either ironically enough Brandon Cooks or um, Ronald Jones um, that's tough I mean Ronald Jones has he's been inconsistent all year um, when he's on he's on and when he's off he's getting you less than five points um, I'm I know Jared Goff has been miserable this year or let me backtrack. He's been very inconsistent and frustrating and not lived up to what Stefan probably thought he was going to do this year. But I think you got to stay with him. And it's a good matchup against Arizona. That That's where I'm at. I, I wouldn't fault him if he wants to get cute. But at, at the end of the day for me with fantasy, getting cute leads to regret. Doing the the sound logic thing is might not always work out, but at least for me, I could go to bed sleeping well, knowing that I started like the best player. And in this case, I think it's Jared Goff. What do you think, Dan? Ronald Jones would have been the only other one I think about that, but yeah, you have to kind of look at the matchups and, um, you know, make a, make a sacrifice to the fantasy gods in some way, shape or form to, to hope that, the decision you make pays off and this guy doesn't lay a fucking egg. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to the second to last matchup of the week. And that is going to involve your team, Dan, um, and Kevin's team. Uh, this again, you know, Dan, you get one point this week, you clinch up the first seed in the division and secure a buy. You don't get a point this week and you open the door for flash Gordon to potentially swoop on in for that. So this game obviously has, I mean, first of all, it might have the two hottest teams in the league. Um, This could potentially be a first-round matchup or maybe a conference championship matchup. But, you know, Island of Misfit Toys and tearing up the ACL are as hot as they get at this point in, in the season. And both teams are, for the most part, relatively healthy. Adam Thielen, from everything it looks like, is going to be back and, you know, ready to go. Whether that's someone that Dan considers starting might be a different story, but, you know, baby steps. Um, But for Dan, I mean, I think the biggest things to talk about that I'm excited for is the quarterbacks. The reason I'm excited for the quarterbacks is they both have a primetime game on Thanksgiving. Um, Josh Allen against Dallas. Um, I think the world is, you know, going to be introduced to Josh Allen and these Buffalo Bills. And I have no idea if that's going to be good or bad, but I'm excited to see it. And Drew Brees against Atlanta, that's just asking for Drew Brees to lay the world on fire. Um, For the running backs, I mean, Christian McCaffrey has a great matchup against the Redskins. But Ingram and Lindsey against the 
Niners and Chargers respectively is a bit dicey. Um, I don't know how that one will shake out for him. But then, you know, Julian Edelman is a solid matchup against Houston. Landry, Gallup, and Boyd, those those guys have tough, tough matchups. Gerald Everett, on the other hand, should have a solid matchup. It's We'll see if Austin Hooper goes or not. Um, that, ironically enough, might end up being, you know, the matchup decider for me. Um, but let's look at Kevin's team. And the biggest thing that stands out for Kevin's team is also the quarterbacks. Two equally solid matchups that Dan has. Um, Sam Darnold against Cincinnati and Daniel Jones against the Green Bay Packers. Um, the only thing with them is both those guys, both those quarterbacks has been inconsistent. They could combine for 60 points this week, or they could combine for 16 points this week. Time will tell how that one shakes out. Um, the running back core for Kevin, though, is where it gets interesting. Um, he's right now starting Saquon Barkley, Tavon Coleman, Devontae Freeman, Todd Gurley, and Derrick Henry. I mean, that's a very juicy running back situation. Um, but, I mean, Saquon Barkley has been disappointing of late Tevin Coleman has been solid but unspectacular at times Devontae Freeman there's no guarantees that he plays this week and if he does I don't know if you feel great about it um Todd Gurley is kind of the same it's it's interesting I'm going to give the edge to you Dan but I think this is going to be a very very close matchup and I hope it doesn't happen in the first week of the playoffs because I think it. these two teams deserve to be a conference championship game. But if, depending on how it goes, maybe it could be. Yeah, I think there's a there's a couple interesting matchups here that, that make me a little concerned, I guess is the, the word that I'll use. Derrick Henry um, has part of it. Mm-hmm. DJ Moore has a very large part of it. And then Hunter Henry is the other piece that that I think it's interesting here. I unfortunately think that I have a lot better matchups in this. Um, I'm going to take myself in a selfish Mm -hmm. play with part of it. I like more of my matchups just a little bit better than Kevin's, but if there's one team going to the playoffs here that scares me, Kevin's that team. That's completely fair. I mean, Kevin's team is, again, very hot right now, and it's getting healthy and... You know, it's kind of rolling. I think Kevin's team is going to live and die by its quarterbacks. Um, Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones have both... Well, Sam Darnold has been hot the last few weeks, and Daniel Jones has been inconsistent, but when he's on, he's on, and when he's off, he's mediocre to bad. Um, so what does he get? What does Kevin get from his quarterbacks really will probably determine how far he goes. My question for you, though, Dan, is from a start-sit perspective, Adam Thielen... If he starts, where do you stand on him? Does he have to find a way in his in your lineup, or is it not happening this way? Until he can show me that he can get through a week without messing himself up, I don't feel comfortable um, going through and taking a chance on it. I think I have other options that have a lower floor but can give me the production that Thielen has from a floor with just a couple extra catches or attempts at catches to do it. Um, so I don't think I'm going to roll the dice this way, even if he is healthy. Um, I'll save him for the playoffs, so to speak. 
Fair enough. Can't argue with that. Um, So I'm going to go with you this week. Who did you pick someone? I took me. It was a very selfish play. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. But I wish Kevin the best of luck, of course. Not really, (laughs) but but I will. You have to say that because you're you. It's kind of my job, but let's mm-hmm. let's get to the juicy one here as we approach the hour mark. Yeah, so this matchup, I mean, like I said, you know, it's the Nick, the battle of the Knicks. Um, Captain Mayfield versus my eyes to goggle to nothing, and it's very simple. The winner of this matchup will get a buy in the playoffs, and again, buys are incredibly huge. Not having to play one week of fantasy football and be, um, you know, suspect or susceptible to fluky weeks and you know shittiness and players not starting and blah 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 blah. Um, avoiding that is huge so if you can get a buy that's game changing and you know the teams that get a buy usually are the one of those teams ends up winning this the whole thing so i'm sure i speak for nick when i say we desperately want to buy yep i think think this is and it's literally just the win you both can finish outside of the top six it's literally just a win and you're in is mm-hmm. the, is the fun piece to this and when we start looking at some of the matchups murray against the rams wilson against minnesota baker versus pittsburgh Dak versus buffalo the toughest matchup of all of that is the Dak versus buffalo game um buffalo has a very nice defense has a very well-rounded defense and the amount of pressure that they hopefully can get under Dak prescott could greatly affect part of that running back wise hmm, devin singletary against dallas joe mixon against the jets and then we have cook michelle um against seattle and houston respectively i've you gotta kind of like you a little bit when it comes to part of this. Dalvin Cook's been everything um, about 60 points shy of what Christian McCaffrey is. Devin Singletary continues to, to get some of the workload. And Joe Mixon has a very interesting matchup. And that's a fun little piece to it. Amare Cooper and Mike Evans are the two guys that I want to highlight in the wide receiver core. Both guys went non-existent last week. Both guys mm-hmm. have Cooper's dealing with part of his his injury, and then Mike Evans just can be found or cannot be found, depending on part of it. And then you're looking at Kelsey versus Andrew and Waller. Um, wow. I think you can flip the coin in either of those. This matchup, I think, honestly, could be a coin flip. Um, right now, the spread is just about three points. It's just ever so slightly I mean we're talking about that's what a tight end reception for 15 yards is literally the, uh-huh. the difference in part of this um, I'll let you do your analysis here before I give a pick just because mm-hmm. I think it's more suspenseful <laughs> yeah I mean I think first of all I, I have like a few starts that question or starts that like things that I'm still pondering um, and I'm definitely playing mind games with myself in terms of who I should start. Um, it doesn't feel right sitting to Sean Watson, but that might be a thing. And, you know, Jared Cook has actually been one of the hottest tight ends, you know, since he came back. So part of me wonders if I need to get him in the lineup somehow. Um, I think if there was one thing that maybe turns this matchup in you know, makes it easier for me to pick. Um, I really think it's Nick getting Travis Kelsey. I think 
that was kind of the icing on the cake for where his team is right now and how it could look long term. Um, you know, Eric Ebron and Jason Witten were both very respectable tight ends and they, you know, had a very good floor that Nick relied on. But Travis Kelsey is elite. And I think going up against Oakland, you know, that's arguably their biggest rival, um, the Raiders and the Chiefs. Um, I think Kelsey's going to have a huge game. And unfortunately, I think that's going to be the determining factor. Um, I'm going to give the edge to Nick, and I I think Nick's going to take care of it. And Mr. Ruth is going to have the bye, um, much to my chagrin. I, um, so ironically enough, and this is where where we go through this and this is where I have my stat sheet up when you yep. and I do podcasts together Ooh, and we agree okay. on the picks you and I are 9-6 yep. overall it's not That's exactly not a well rounded no it's really not it's it's really kind of atrocious right. um, but let's tempt fate here I have Ruth as well uh, I like a couple of the matchups a little bit more um, I think Yep. Baker's going to kind of – he's going to do Baker things of what everybody hoped he was going to do. And statistics have shown, at least from looking at part of the the Tampa Bay scoring book, that the week after Chris Godwin goes ham, Mike Evans has this opportunity. <laughs> and I'm a Mike Evans mm-hmm. owner in another league, and it's bipolar. It's depressing in some of those pieces. But at the same point in time, you've got to feel kind of good coming off of a Chris Godwin monster game. I'll take Nick Ruth. Yeah, I mean, Evans is Evans, and at the end of the day, he's, I think, number three or number four in wide receiver scoring. Um, So he's going to bounce back, and he's going to get his this week. Um, I mean, for Nick's team, I'm looking at it, it seems pretty cut and dry in terms of who he's he's starting. I don't see anything to second-guess. the only thing I guess maybe is Carlos Hyde, um, but I mean, do you agree with my assessment? This I don't think Nick has any question marks. Like this, his lineup is set and ready to go, barring any injuries. I think the the only difference that he could potentially be looking at is where do you put the stock in with Damian Williams? Because um, I think Damian Williams could hmm. be an interesting look for part of this and it's not taking anything away from you know a guy like Curtis Samuel um, but I think yeah there's a lot less question marks and there's a lot more cut and dry for, for Nick than there is for you as far as options goes and again we go right back to this our options always a good thing We interrupt Dan's message to alert you of technical difficulties. No, I asked. I, I said our options a good thing. That was it. I put myself back on mute. That was the question for you: is 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 having options always a good thing, or would you prefer to have it more cut and dry on a weekly basis? Um, it's interesting you should say that because I think you definitely rather have options because I think having depth is a undervalued then obviously we're getting towards the point in the season where it's playoffs and depth doesn't mean as much but from a um just regular you know you know or just in general scenario i think you rather have options to help lead you to 
um, the promised land. Um, but if we look at, there's this great um, stat that I love. Like if you go into the power ranking section of my fantasy football league on the desktop site, you can see uh, the efficiency in terms of total points scored relative to your potential points. And Sam is number one at 87.6%. Um, but Sam, again, he doesn't have many options. It's it's pretty cut and dry who he's usually starting. Um, I'm second on that list at 87.3. Dan, you're actually third on the list at 87.1. And tanking for Tua is fourth on the list at 86.2. So for Sam and Sean, I don't think it's that impressive because their teams aren't, excuse me, Sam and Armand, God damn it, aren't that impressive. But for you and I, Dan, kudos to us. Because I think both of us have options and, you know, being able to start those guys, you know, is is good. And being yeah, able I mean, to make the right call, um, you know, helps your team in terms of, you know, getting the win. Yeah, so basically, as, basically as, I, as I read this, as we go to wrap, uh, wrap part of this up, is that you and I are better than everybody else. A little bit, yeah. That's, I'm that's good the kind that. way of saying it. Awesome. Well, and if we want to, who's the worst? Fortunately, Cherry is the worst. Um, before we go, what was last week's record for matchup picks? Uh, matchup picks last week, uh, you and Mr. Ruth went 5-1. and one, I went 4-2. and two. So that brings our total overall to... I'm at 37 and 17. You're at 36 and 18. So I have a one game lead on you there. Mm -hmm. Um, Ruth is, uh, he's at 25 and 11. He actually has the best win percentage at 69.44%. I have 68.51. You have 66.67. So Nick with less volume has more. Um, That's kind of his life motto is less is more, but he's not here to defend himself. So that's mean. And I'm sorry, not really, but yes. Um, but yeah, it's uh, this could we we basically have the exact same picks all this week, so neither of us are going to gain ground on each other. Um, so congratulations on us doing our job well. But this is also without <laughs> Nick sending us three weeks of picks. So Ruth, not to say you're not doing your job and being part of this fantasy cast. Um, man, I picked on him a lot today. Like I don't like hey, should, I, should I feel bad? No, it, it's survival of the fittest. Okay, he's not here to defend himself. So, okay. so this could drastically change depending on say. depending on weeks, uh, picks for when week Nick two, week eight, job. week nine. When he gets when he gets them over to me, off of his work desk, as I have air quotes on my side. Um, <laughs> and then I guess we'll see who truly is the king of picks as we round out thirteen weeks in the last week of the regular season. I can't wait. All right, guys. Best of luck to those that are competing uh, this week and have something at stake. And again, one last reminder, trade deadline, Thursday morning, 11.30 a.m., before the kickoff of Bears vs. Lions. Get those trades in. See you all next week. Peace.